I went to the mall and I found the poster section. I started looking through posters, looking through posters, and I came across a poster of the Grand Canyon. And I thought, here's the beginning of a theme. So I bought the, the poster. And I went to Michael's Arts and Crafts store and got a frame. It was a plastic frame with brass, you know, brass frame around it. And I put the poster of the Grand Canyon in the plastic brass frame, hung it up in my living room, and it was the beginning of a theme. I could come home from work and I could just look at the Grand Canyon and all its glory on my wall. It was awesome. A few weeks later, a few months later, I was, I was in Fort Worth, and there's something called the Omni Theater, which is one of the first IMAX theaters. The Omni Theater is pretty awesome because you go sit in theater-style seating, and the whole place is surrounded uh, by a screen. And it just so happened that at this place, the theme was the Grand Canyon, and the helicopter with video footage flew through the Grand Canyon. And you could see, you knew it was a helicopter because if you looked at the bottom left corner, there was a shadow of a helicopter right there. But if you ignored that, you felt like you were flying through the Grand Canyon through this movie. And it didn't compare to the picture on my wall. So the, the picture of my wall, I thought the picture of my wall was awesome. But the IMAX theater, you couldn't even compare it. A few months later, few weeks later, I think it was, I was actually in Arizona, and I actually went to the true Grand Canyon, and it was as magnificent as you imagine if you've been there. Truly one of the more, one, one of the places on the planet where you're speechless, because even, you know, the great artists of the world, even HD technology can't capture the vastness and, and how incredible the Grand Canyon is, and what God, what God has created. So I'm using these to categorize what, what Moses is trying to say here. Moses is saying through the scripture, okay, there was a time when you didn't want to hear God's voice directly, so I started to give you prophets. And the prophets are kind of like that picture on my wall. They, 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 they give you a sense of what God's like. They, they give you an idea of what God's like. They give you almost an image, a foretaste of what God's like. And if that's all you know, that's pretty cool. But then a unique prophet came, Moses. Moses is unlike any other prophet. And we, we, we kind of underestimate, assuming most of us are Gentile here, we underestimate the influence of Moses. I mean, Moses went to the mountain of the Lord and received the Ten Commandments. He received the law of the Lord. He helped he helped take all of the oral tradition and, and oversaw the writing of that in the Torah, Genesis, through, through Numbers. Um, he, he helped lead the people out of 400 years of captivity. 400 years is much longer than the United States has, has even been a country. And so it, it, it's, it's hard for us to just truly appreciate how esteemed Moses is. And how he is set apart from the other prophets. So we're going to say Moses is like the IMAX theater. You can't really compare it to the picture in the living room. Because he's set apart. In fact, this is what they said about him in 
and sorry to my media people, I'm, I'm going to be a little out of order here. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 10 says this. No prophet has arisen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. So he, he's different from any other prophet. He, he's, he was set apart. But now Moses, who is writing, overseeing the writing of Deuteronomy 18, this is, this is what he says. And, and let's look again at, at verse, verse, 15, verse uh, 18. Excuse me. I will raise up for them. The Lord, this is 15 is good, I'm sorry. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers, and you must listen to them. So guys, if it's okay with you today, I'm going to preach about Jesus. Is that okay? Okay, I'm not going to give you five steps to overcome stress, four ways to improve your family, eight ways to lose weight. I don't have any moral authority to preach on losing weight anyway, so you're not going to hear that. All those things have their place. And I, but I would say Jesus helps all those things. And, and, and lifting him up brings lordship and improvement to every area of our life. So here it is, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. So we think, okay, how do we know this prophet really is Jesus? Well, there's a lot of reasons we know that. But here's an easy way. Both Peter and Stephen quote this scripture. Peter and Stephen both quote Deuteronomy 18. You can write these references down. It's not in your notes, but come on. You know what you, you, know you note takers are? You're people of faith. So I started realizing, and sometimes I sit there, we have guest speakers, and I usually forget the first service to bring my notes, and, and I have faith the second service. But I'll say this, is that, that when you take notes, or you know, you're kind of like, man, God's going to speak. I'm expecting him to speak. So anyway, that just encourages you to take notes. Here we go. This is not in your notes, but write this down. Acts chapter 3, verse 22. Acts chapter 7, verse 37. So Peter quotes the scripture in Acts chapter 3, verse 22. Stephen quotes this in Acts chapter 7, verse 37. So we know that Moses is talking about Jesus for other reasons too, but the most simplistic way is because Peter and Stephen confirmed it. When Peter and Stephen were testifying about Jesus, they used this scripture in Deuteronomy 18. What Deuteronomy 18 is trying to do is it's trying to set expectation. It's trying to create anticipation for us so that we can rightly put Jesus and anticipate him in our life. Now, why is this relevant to you today? It's relevant to you today is because you've come to the house of the Lord. You've come to God's house today because Jesus, Jesus needs to be the preeminent voice in your life. And so often he's not. I mean, really, weekly worship is a reminder of that. It, it, you know, Beth referenced that, and, and her welcome today in worship is like, man, we've got all these other voices, all these other voices in our life. And then we come here on the Lord's Day, and the Lord anchors us. And, and he says, take notice of Jesus. And, and that's what I'm here to say. Guys, take notice of Jesus. You're going to have a thousand opportunities to ignore Jesus this week. You're going to have multiple reasons to to. Take wisdom from other sources and prioritize your life and not include Jesus. And Moses, the prophet, was saying to his people, one is going to come, and now he has been here and he's among us now, but yet we often don't take notice of him. So here are my points today. Here we go. Jesus is distinguished. Don't you guys love the... Do you, do you guys like the review? Do you want me to still print the review still? 
Let me tell you the history. You know, I'm a historian. I tried to kill the church bulletin. We used to have like the church bulletin with all these little articles. And some of you would read them every week and catch misspellings. And it stressed me out. So I said, we're going to get rid of the church bulletin. So we get like one discussion sheet, like list everything. And we still, I still misspell words. We list everything and then flip and you can fill in the blanks. Do you like guys like that? I was going to take a church vote. We've never voted. We haven't voted on anything since y'all made me pastor. Y'all want to keep it or not? Y'all want to keep it? Okay. All right. Melissa, sorry. Sorry about that. Guys, this is, this is our office assistant, Melissa. She does an awesome job. Raise your hand. She's in the shadows. Okay. You did good. All right. I was just trying to make your job easier, but the, the people have spoken. And you can fill in the blank. There's such power. How many of you try to guess what fill in the blank it is? Do you do pretty good at it? Okay, good. Keenan says no. That, that good. That, no, I'm keeping you off guard, Keenan. I'm keeping you off guard. Because I try not, the fill in the blank answer, I try not to make it Jesus, you know, because I want to preach about Jesus, but that'd be too easy for you to understand. Okay. I just chased bunny rabbits. Here we go. So the first point is this Jesus is distinguished. Jesus is distinguished. He's set apart. So, so we know this. What distinguished Moses? Looking at Deuteronomy 34.10 again, it says, No prophet has arisen among Israel like Moses. And here's the reason why. Who, whom the Lord knew face to face. I want to remind you a little bit about Moses' biography. He couldn't talk. He couldn't communicate. He stuttered. And yet God chose him to be the mouthpiece for his people. Moses had a compulsive anger issue. We see this come out many times in his personality, but as a young man, it especially came out when he murdered someone. And so he, he was a murderer also. Moses was a man who feared. He would often fear, shrink back from the people. He didn't assert himself strongly in leadership, yet God set him apart. He set him apart as a unique prophet, and here's the reason why. It's because Moses knew the presence of the Lord. Let me tell you what will make you someone who impacts the kingdom of God. It is not your talent. It is not your communication skills. Some of you wish you were a Saul. You wish you were ahead above everyone else so you were distinguished in your charisma because Saul was distinguished in his charisma. He was taller than everyone else. He was imposing. He was who the people wanted. But because he was who the people wanted, God didn't have him. God had Moses. Because God had Moses, he depended on the presence of God. And he depended, and that face-to-face relationship, that face-to-face relationship with God made him the greatest prophet. So listen, whatever God has called you to do, when you have the Lord's presence, you have everything you need. Now, I, I'm serious about that. I know that sounds kind of nice and all that, but, but, but biblically, listen, if you have the Lord's presence, the Lord's presence will come, and the Lord's presence will make up for your deficiency. The Lord's presence will bring strength to your weakness. The Lord's presence will bridge the gap between your capacity and what God's calling you to do. It's the Lord's presence. And what made Moses distinguish, and what made Moses great in the eyes of the people, is he spent time face-to-face with God. It's humility. It's humility that brings us into the, the place of influence that God wants us to have. Not even Joshua could be compared to Moses. Even though Joshua, you know, he's the one who actually took them into the promised land, um, he could not compare to Moses in his impact because Moses knew the presence of God. I was, I was um, watching basketball last year, 
and I've watched a lot of basketball this year, so it's not like I watch basketball once a year. Maybe I watch too much of it. But we were watching a game, and there was this one guy I'd never heard of playing college basketball. He was a freshman, and he was doing so well for one of the teams I follow, making shots, dunking the ball. I'm like, man, this guy's good. Well, my kids told me, they said, well, he's a five-star recruit. I'm like, okay. Um, so I'm paying attention. And I hear he's from Texas. Hey, I'm from Texas too. Now, there happens to be 27 million people who live in Texas, so it's not that remarkable of a coincidence. But still, we're like, okay, this guy's from Texas. He's doing good. So as, as he's playing along, they, you know, he's shooting a free throw, and they put the bio there. He's from Irving, Texas. Hey, that's my hometown. That's where me and my sister grew up, Irving, Texas. Well, there's, there's a, I looked it up this morning, there's 238,000 people in Irving, Texas right now. That's a, that's a really big city, 238,000 people there. So that's not that big of a coincidence either. So there's several high schools. But now that I knew that this guy was from Texas, from Irving, Texas, there's a lot of high schools in Irving. So I had the boys look up, well, which high school is he from? He's from MacArthur High School, my alma mater. He's a cardinal like I was, meaning the same gym in which this five-star recruit played is the same gym that I played in after all the fans left because I didn't make the team. Um, <laughs> and when the janitor let me in. But it was still the same gym, the same gym that he played on. And so all of a sudden, I, I, you know, I started identifying with him. I'm like, man, I like, man, this is my favorite player. This, this guy's great. This guy's doing awesome because he, he's, he's from my school. Man, he ate the same cafeteria. He, he had some, some of the same te teachers, even though it's been a quarter of a century since I've been there. But, uh, but theoretically, he could have had some of the same teachers. Man, he, he's, he's one of us, man. He, he's, he's part of our tribe. He's part of our team. But here's the deal. I play basketball twice a week. And just because he's from the same state, same city, same school, and we, we play the same sport, that's where the comparison's in. <laughs> this guy can dunk the basketball. I'm not exactly sure if I can, if I can touch the bottom of the net right now. The reason why I'm not sure about this is I'm afraid to test it out because I don't want to pull a muscle. <laughs> Remember, I pulled a calf preaching one time. So I do old man basketball. It's verified. Pastor Chip plays with me too. Is, 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 I, is I'm doing pretty good, but my feet don't leave the ground. It's great. You know, head fake, hit, you know, head fake this. And as you play basketball without jumping, it just works out really nice. Um, so that's where the comparison ends. But so this kid, this college basketball player, he's part of my tribe. He's one of us, but he's completely different than us because he's set apart. Here, here's the next point. Jesus is one of us, but yet he's not one of us. Isn't that, isn't that powerful? Jesus is one of us because he chose to, to be part of, of our world, and, and now he's still part of our world. I mean, he had those 33 years in Judea, but, but he's with us now. Um, it's the present God, the incarnate God, the God that's here with us, among us, the God who knows us. Verse 18, I will raise up, from, up for them a prophet like you, like Moses, from among their brothers. We know from the scripture this is Jesus. You know that we're only truly loved when we're known, when, when we are known, when people know us is a better way to put that. We're only truly loved when 
someone knows us. I'd like to think that I love the whole world. I, I do. I would like to think that. I mean, I think Christians were called to love every person who lives on this planet. But it's the people that I actually know is where the challenge of love happens. Because some people, maybe I connect with and they're easy to love because they love me. Some people are very difficult to love because perhaps they hurt me or irritate me or there's not chemistry. And, and so it is that you can't really be loved unless you're known. This is what I love about Jesus. He was one of us. He understands us. One of the great understandings of the Christian faith is Jesus was fully God and fully man. The, the, the church creeds have established this, and I see in creed that we know this. He's fully God and fully man, and we rest in that. You cannot take away any of his deity, and you can't take away any of his humanity, or you don't have the true Jesus. You might say, well, that's complicated, absolutely complicated. That's why you can study, think, meditate, ponder Jesus the rest of your life, and you'll never quite understand all of, all of the aspects of who Jesus is. I don't find that frustrating. I find that uh, a wonderful curiosity that I could spend my whole life exploring Jesus and I'm still learning about him. I, I learned stuff about Jesus' humanity this week that's so fresh I'm still thinking through. That's why I'm not preaching that part of it because that'd be irresponsible. So I'm just still thinking that through and, and, and finding out more about who he is. That's the, the, that's the, the call we, we have to to know his love. You don't know his love by taking a theology class. You don't know his love by sitting through a sermon series. You know his love by being a seeker of him all the days of your life. You know his love through the scripture and you know his love through life experience when he is present with you through tough times and he's present with you through difficult circumstances. You know his love through the sacraments when you eat his bread and drink the cup and realize the presence of the Lord is there with you. And so the reason we can know God and love God is because he's done that for us. The New Testament reading for today is 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. He is known by him. This is incredible because a lot of times I can just say, like, God loves you. I mean, in fact, I tell you that every week when you leave. I love you. Jesus loves you. Have a great week. And I can feel the objections in, in our minds right now. Yeah, Jesus loves me. He's supposed to. It's like his job description, right? To love the world. But what about my, my drug addiction? What about my, my secret prescription drug addiction? What about my sexual misfunction? What about my anger issues? What about that mistake that I'm trying to hide? Jesus doesn't love that. Man, he loves all of you. He loves all of you because he knows you. And he can't really love you if he doesn't know you. You're not hiding anything from God. You're not hiding anything from God. You're not hiding anything from God, and God loves you still the same. To be known by God is to be loved by God. And he loves you so much because Jesus is one of us. Some of you have... Uh, Incredible job. 
and I highly respect you because I tried to do this one day and I only made it through one day. That is the job of the substitute teacher. And I'm so glad that the Sumner County School District is finally paying our substitute teachers better. For those of you who want social justice preaching, there you go right there, huh? Thanks for laughing, guys. I thought that was a funny joke. No one laughed the first service, but, but that's my social justice sermon. Pay the substitute teachers better. And it is a hard job because, um, unfortunately, because the students have taken kind of some social cues, they don't, they don't respect the authority of substitute teachers. I mean, there's kind of this attitude of like, hey, substitute teachers here, day off. I'm not responsible to do any work. I'm not responsible for actions. And then our poor substitute teachers, they don't have enough time to build a relational bridge to the kids. And so it's a tough situation because, because there's, there's no true authority. There should be. There should be. You understand? I mean, I believe that students should respect any adult that has been placed before them. But, but that's where we are right now. So there it is, is that often the substitute teacher is there, but the students don't listen. Here's my third point about Jesus. Jesus must be heard. Jesus must be heard. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, this this is what the words Moses said. When he comes, you must listen to him. God's going to raise up a prophet, a face to face prophet. He'll be among you. This was confirmed through Peter. It was confirmed through, through Stephen. But now he says, when he comes, you must listen to him. And here, here's what concerns me. Is a lot of us are near Jesus, but we don't listen to Jesus. We're, we're, we're near him. We're around Jesus kind of stuff. For crying out loud, our, our community still prays before football games. We're around Jesus. Jesus is popular. Jesus is socially acceptable. Jesus, you know, his way makes really nice jewelry, you know, really great crosses. But do we listen to Jesus, right? Do we listen to his voice? The reason we don't listen to Jesus is we don't respect Jesus. We treat him like a substitute teacher. He may be present, but we're not giving him authority in our life. This lack of authority in his life because we have abandoned something that the Bible calls the fear of the Lord. And it's not a real popular term. It's not like a real um, digestible or marketable term, but it's a scriptural term. The fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord, in essence, is a respect for God. But that respect comes because... We believe that God is so powerful that we don't want the consequences of a life without God. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I I would say, too, that the the fear of the Lord, we could almost say it's a a low motivator of of ethics and it's a low motivator um, compared to love. I mean, I, I, I want to obey God because I love Him. I want to obey God because... His love has filled my heart, and I love Him. But, you know, when I was 12, I hadn't really developed that love. Because you don't really develop love until you walk with someone for a while. I may have had puppy love with Jesus, but I wasn't in love with Jesus yet. And, and so, 
there are times when we need to make choices because we fear the Lord. I mean, there's sometimes we don't feel like obeying God, but we fear the consequences of not obeying God. I want to tell you that when we begin to reject that type of mindset because it doesn't fit into our cultural or the way we were educated, then we've put our souls in peril. Our education system uh, built off uh, the, the, the idea of everyone's a winner, everyone gets a trophy, everyone has a positive self-esteem. And we're, we're, because of that, we're scared of the fear of the Lord. If we don't follow God's ways, there's negative consequences to our life. I don't say that with joy. I'm not, but, but I say that because the, not, the word has said that, and it's true. And so the fear of the Lord is a gift to us. And, and we respect the ways of God. And we respect the moral code that comes from Scripture. And we respect the ethical expectations for those who carry the name of Jesus because we are carriers of Jesus in his presence. And so there are some things Christians shouldn't do. You read verse 9 through 14, and you'll find that Christians should not participate in astrology. They shouldn't participate and, and look to the horoscope. For guidance. A lot of us has never been taught this. A lot of people don't know this. But that's a form of divination. It is conjuring up demonic spirits to give you guidance so the scripture is diminished in your life and the power of the Holy Spirit is diminished in your life. And th th these are things that, that God's people, we, we should have a healthy fear of the Lord. If the Lord says, don't touch that, don't touch it. You say, well, I like it. It doesn't matter. The Lord says, don't touch it. There's a lot of stuff we'd probably enjoy that God doesn't want us to do because we know that in the end, sin's gonna, sin is going to take us down a path uh, of destruction and take our heart away from God and, and isolate us from relationship with God and his kingdom and his people. So the Lord, Jesus must be heard. I'm going to ask you, do you hear Jesus every week you come in this place? Or do you just... Or do you just like the people you sit with? Or maybe you like me. I know it kind of felt weird to say that. But, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe you like my preaching. Or maybe you like the music. Or maybe you like the fact that it's pretty easy to park here on Sunday mornings. And you get pretty fast access to the restaurants when, when the cop, the police officer, excuse me, went down the hill on time. But are you listening? Here's our gospel reading for today. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 21. Then they went into Capernaum. And right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. Now I want to make note of something right here. Jesus observed religious practice. So on the Sabbath, he went to the place of worship. Now we choose the Lord's Day as our time of worship. Sundays are our time for worship. But either the Sabbath, the Lord's Day are meant for the things of God and Jesus modeled to us to go to the place where God's people gather and to teach God's word. This, I don't know where we get this idea that even though Jesus overturned many things about the old covenant, he didn't stop religious practice. You read through Acts, all the disciples, they were continuing to observe Judaism except for the places where the gospel went in Greece and in Asia Minor, which is now Turkey. And they, they changed the rules a little bit for those people, but people still practice religion. Now there's life in religion. 
And, you know, there's healing in religion. There's the presence of God in religion. So it, it's the customs we make are good. He went into Capernaum, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, began to teach. They were astonished at his teaching because unlike the scribes, he was teaching them as one having authority. Just then a man with an unclean spirit was in the synagogue. He cried out, what, what do you have to do with us, Jesus Nazarene? This is, this is a demonic spirit speaking through a person. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and said, be quiet and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsed him shouted with a loud voice and came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so they began to argue with one another. That's what religious people do. Saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. News about him then spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. Here it is, Deuteronomy 18, coming to pass in the Gospels. And here it is, Moses said, there's one that's coming face to face. He knows God. Listen to him. And here we see Jesus in the synagogue preaching and teaching with so much authority that demonic spirits begin to manifest and they begin to leave. And the people were amazed because the power and the anointing on Jesus, who is fully man and fully God at the same time. It's incredible. It's incredible. He's here with us. Listen, Jesus is here with us. Jesus is here with us, 1045 service. Jesus is here with us. And, and he's, he's here um, in various ways. His presence is with us. And when we pray for one another, he's with us. That's why in a couple minutes, we're going to have prayer partners come down. I want to tell you that some of you are too prideful to receive prayer. Our church is full of pride because we don't, we don't get prayer from people. So we've tried it different ways. So we've tried to like, let's pray in the back, you know, pray in the back. But then when everybody left or like people didn't want to be in the back as people left. And we used to not pray up here because we used to have problems with the sound, but we fixed that. And then we had problems with the light. So you were down here praying and you turned purple when you prayed. So we fixed that. So we're trying to fix all these problems, but all of these little problems are really just excuses. They're really just excuses. That, that we're too prideful to get prayer. The Lord told Naaman, you go down to the muddy Jordan River and you dip seven times. Why? Because it had to kill pride in his life. So for right now in the context we have, because we might change the way we do prayer, we may do it differently, but often we've got these people waiting to pray with you, but, but um, you won't receive the touch of God because you have too much pride to walk 12 steps to the front. Now hear me, I'm not saying that the Bible says you have to pray at the front of the church. There's seasons in church life where we may not even offer that for, for practical reasons, all that kind of stuff. You understand that. It's not a judgment on churches that don't have that. But we have it now, and guys, y'all don't take advantage of it. Because maybe lunch is more important to you than getting a receiving from the Lord. That's what I'm talking about when I say that Jesus is here among us. Are you listening to him? Are you just near him? He's here, he's here, he's here for us. The presence of God, the presence of God is in the sacraments. The presence of God as we take communion is here. Let's stand together. And then, and then as we pray for one another, the, the, I, I want you to feel released to pray for one another. 
Some of you are in 242 groups together. You're in small groups together. You know that someone has a financial need. You know someone needs a physical healing. You don't need a prophet. You don't need to prophesy to go pray for someone. You just need to walk over to the other section and pray with somebody. You see what I'm saying? Release. Like, like this. Jesus is in the house. Jesus is here. Jesus has been given to us. His very presence is here for us today. His presence is here. I'm going to be down here to pray with you. Uh, Pastor Deborah is going to offer intention if you want to uh, take the bread and dip it in the cup. She'll present it. This is the body of Christ. This is the blood of Christ. And then at the end of that, it may be a good thing, a good custom to say amen. You know, sometimes we, we haven't known what to say, but just to affirm that the, the elements there that we're, we're taking, that the presence of God are with them. Hey, Beth's going to lead us in some worship here in five minutes or so. I'll, I'll dismiss our, our, our service. If you need to go, that's okay. Seriously, you're, you're not, no judgment here. I know I'd rather you come and have to leave at 11.50 than not come at all. Are you with me? Okay, so, so no judgment. I'm not, I don't want to create that culture where we're ticked off at people for leaving at noon. But I'm just going to say that if, if, the, if the Lord is stirring you, if the Lord is stirring you, if the Lord is speaking to you, delay. Delay what you have planned so you can receive all that he has. Come on, let's receive from the Lord. We're, we're available to pray with you.